0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Will coming to you for the second week of the uh, COVID-19 stay-at-home mandate, and I'm so sorry that we can't be together in person again this week, but uh, we are together in spirit. I just want everyone to be encouraged and know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we're looking forward to seeing you all again real soon. And even if uh, you're not a part of our, our church group, we just uh, welcome you and uh, hope that this message will encourage you. We're just going to get into the Word a little bit and see if we can't be encouraged and comforted through the Scriptures as the Word tells us to to do. Um. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, even though we can't be together in person. We thank you, Lord, that we can all look out and and see your beautiful creation and know that you are with us, that you are still on the throne, and that uh, there is nothing too big for you. There is nothing impossible for you, and there's nothing that's even a big deal to you. So we know that this COVID-19, we're going to pray together and believe that this will be wiped out uh... immediately in the name of jesus and that no more deaths will take place and we just believe lord that you're gonna to begin to implement this and that it's going to be gone as quickly as it came and that we will get back to uh, to our, our lives um, but hopefully we'll have um, Some good things come from this, and we're believing for that, Lord. Uh, Better things in medicine, better things in government, better things in our personal relationships with you and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to start out by by reading some scriptures. I've had to... to um, be with the Lord for quite some time this morning just to be able to start with you for some reason uh, I've been trying to figure out what he's uh, wanting to say that's uh, preventing me from getting started so I've got a late start today just because I've been spending time with the Lord which is always valuable and good anyway but uh, hopefully um, we're going to We're going to find out exactly what it is he's trying to convey to his people today because I I only ask as ever just that he use me and that it not be me, but him speaking. So let's just get into the word and see what uh, comes from this. Um, uh, First John uh, chapter 3, let's start at the first verse. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. I want to skip over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Just turn back a couple of pages, if you were following with me in the scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to start reading at the first verse of of 1 Peter chapter 3. No, actually I want to skip down to the 8th verse. Uh, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Starting at verse 13. Now, who is there Praise God. I want to read one more scripture from Philippians. If you just go back a little bit further, Philippians chapter 4. This is one of my wife's favorite passages passages of scripture, Philippians 4. beginning at the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds in Christ Jesus finally brethren verse 8 whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise think about these things what you have learned and received and heard and seen and me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you praise God these scriptures bring me comfort knowing that we're God's children and and uh, and showing us uh, how He hopes and expects for us to live and it's always pointing to our witness for Christ and for expanding the kingdom of God as well as for our own good. And if we will let the word correct us and, and bring us uh, to the right place where our consciences are clear before God. We'll find that we have a lot greater success in the Christian life. It doesn't make us God make God love us anymore, but being right with Him makes us love Him more, and it allows us to receive from Him um, more clearly and to to be effective in our in our lives as Christians and uh, be a help to those in need of what we already have. Amen. I want to. As we get off into the gifts of the Spirit again, we just finished up a couple of weeks talking about the revelation gifts, which is word of knowledge, a word of wisdom and discerning uh, of spirits, and this week we're going to get into the gifts of power, which are faith, miracles, and healing. this today we'll probably just talk about the gift of faith because it's such a such a big topic and so foundational to the Christian life. I want to start off by reading from uh, Mark chapter eleven I want to, I want to just say this um, first before we get into this. But if you want to turn to Mark chapter 11, we'll start in the 12th verse, um, and uh, then I just want to talk to you for one second about some of the things that have been on my mind. Matthew, Mark 11. You know, I know that the world is in sort of a crisis mode right now, and um uh, if you turn on the television, which I hope you don't watch that stuff 24-7 because it's just going to bring you down because um, all you're going to hear, hear about is remind me of that Eagles song, uh, Dirty Laundry. They're just going to tell you the bad things and the worst-case scenarios and the, the death toll um, status instead of those who have recovered and and the good things that uh, have come from this and that are are beginning to uh, take be noticed uh, around the globe so um but w- it's become very apparent that that times are changing and uh and uh you hear a lot of gloom and doom and the, the, in truth we are really having a a great spiritual battle that is taking place but as i reminded you last week from Ephesians 6 um, 12 paul reminds us that we're not fighting against flesh and blood we're not fighting against people with bodies we're fighting against the evil rulers in the unseen world the the satanic beings and great evil powers of darkness uh, demonic influences who rule this world for a time until the lord returns and against the the wicked spirits in the in the spirit world so we need to keep that in mind that people are not our enemies but but the, um, they're influenced uh, in large part in this world by by the enemy and not by God and there's a great um, uh, the enemy is is undergirding um, this humanism as it were um, which is simply a denial of any power or moral value superior to that of humanity and again it's it's wrong the philosophy, the vain philosophies and teachings of man always point back to man as the answer and the source of all uh, all the uh, the power and the things like that, just like thinking that uh, man can save the world. Well, sure, we should do some things to uh, take care of the world, but it's not man that's going to destroy this world it's it's God in his time and in his own way, and there won't be any uh There won't be any creeping effects. It's going to be something just like when the Lord returns, there won't be any denying that. We're going to see him just like we see lightning in the sky. We're going to be very aware of his return. It's not going to be subtle. In the same way, when God destroys the earth, but there's a great uh, push of this humanistic effort. It's just a denial of God and of... uh, and uh, a belief that only only man is the answer to everything, and that's a very sad case. But um, but these people have the spirit of Antichrist when they fall for this, and it comes really. It's being taught through our educational system and uh, through television and entertainment, and uh, and uh, even the people in government are influenced in in uh, large part by this. But God has entrusted Christians. With all the power and all the the knowledge to combat this, and uh, I know that it can seem like we're really really outmatched and outnumbered, but we are outnumbered, but we're not outmatched. We have God, and with God, uh, all things are possible. and And God wants everyone to be saved. He wants us to be a part of that. There's a lot of comparisons in the Bible and talk about this, but I just want you to know that this is not. The 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 end as um, as as it's portrayed in the Bible, um, in in Revelation, um, I, I mean in Zechariah uh, chapter nine, he talks about the fact that there's going to be um, uh, a lot of mercy uh, preceding the judgment. So there's going to be a great uh, uh, harvest of mercy, as it were, before the harvest of judgment. So. In Zechariah Zechariah 9.13, it says, I will raise up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece. O Zion, he's talking about believers in Jesus Christ and in God. And the sons of Greece in the Bible refer to these humanistic people who just, these intellectual types that uh, are anti-religion, anti-God, anti-Christ, and just believe that man is the source of all... Uh, not only problems but solutions, and that's just wrong, but numerically uh, we're outnumbered, of course, but uh, we have God on our side, like I said, and you can take comfort. I was uh, uh, reading in uh, second chronicles chapter fourteen about the whole the whole chapter is about this uh, this king of uh, Judah named asa, and he was he came out to, to fight uh, against an invasion of a a million-man army who came against him with several hundred chariots made for war as well. And he had about half of that number. But uh, in Second Chronicles 14.11, he the scripture says, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against us. And how many of you know that he did not let that army prevail against Asa? They routed that army with a a number uh, far inferior to the one that came against them. But God was with them. And we believe that... uh, that God is going to do the same for us. And there's going to be a great harvest um, of souls and, and expansion of the kingdom of God as the true children of God begin to step up and uh, play their part and, uh, and walk in power and victory and love. And begin to show the world what it looks like to really be a Christian and to know the blessing and the love and the peace and provision of god almighty and so we're just glad to be a part of these times it should be something of excitement and we don't want to be anxious about these things but we want to consider it all joy uh, when we face these these different types of trials and things knowing that god is with us and for us and if god be for us what can man do to us amen so if you would now let's look at mark chapter 11 before we get into this gift of faith uh, Mark chapter 11, uh, 12, verse 12, um, the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, talking about Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. He was looking for fruit. He was hungry. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now skip down to the 20th verse. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him, have faith in God. And I just want to stop right there and and say that um, the, the literal translation from the Greek where it says fa- have faith in God literally says have the faith of God or have God's faith. So going on with the 23rd verse, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I always continue on to that last uh, scripture because if Jesus thought it was important enough to mention um, with all these blessings and the power and the authority that the Christian has at the end of that to throw in the fact that we need to have a pure heart towards anyone that we have any offenses toward, well then I think it's important as well. Um, So that's a beautiful passage of scripture that we refer to quite often. Um, because it's quite um, impactful. Um, I want to talk about the the gift of faith as it's laid out in the Bible. And faith is, is so imperative to the Christian life that it takes some discussion. And um, so I want to kind of go through it a little bit. Because faith is sort of a stepping stone or the conduit to take us into the other two gifts of power, which are the gift of miracles and the gifts of healing. In the New Testament, faith is presented to us in, in different forms. And so we need to distinguish between these, these different um, uh, ways that faith is discussed. So first of all I would just say that there is um in in the New Testament there's first of all the faith that we the that we live by the faith that we are given uh, when we hear the gospel about Jesus uh dying for our sins and we come into our salvation it's just a faith to live by as Paul says he says the just or the righteous shall live by his faith and so and that, that comes, that's not only in the New Testament, in Hebrews 10.38, but also in Habakkuk 2.4 in the Old Covenant. So, this is the basis, this faith, it's the basis for the ongoing relationship of commitment that we have to God. And it, it supplies all the ability and the motivation and the direction for the Christian life. So, this is the faith that every Christian has to have, just to be a Christian, really. Um, Jesus... In in uh, Luke chapter eighteen verse eight, he uh, I always say how sad it is to me this scripture that he that he asks when I when I return will I even find faith on the earth, and so he's talking about this faith that we are to called to live by, and uh, and I'm just believing that he will find faith and lots of it, but we have to continue in the word and with the help of the Holy Spirit. To continue to walk in and live by the faith that He's called us to. Second is the fruit of faith. Now, the fruit is always um, an aspect of, of character. And the fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians 5, and we're not going to get into that right now. But the word uh, pistis is uh, P-I-S-T-I-S, it's the Greek word for faith. And it's faith and faithfulness are one and the same. There's no differentiation. And so when I used to see uh, in the King James, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 was listed as faith was um, a characteristic um, or a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then I saw faithfulness in other uh, translations like the NIV. I thought there was a problem there, but there's not. So, But we're not going to talk or get into that today. I just want to move past that because I'm tra- trying to get to this third type of faith. First, there's faith to live by, then the fruit of faith, and then the gift of faith, which is what we're talking about today. The gift of faith, as it's laid out with all the other eight gifts, um, one of the nine gifts of the spirit is a supernatural impartation of God's own faith imparted to uh, us uh, as believers or to a believer at a specific time by God's sovereign will um, by through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. In a sense, the gift of faith is is comparable to the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Or analogous, you might say, to the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. It's simply a supernatural impartation of God's, His faith. It's God's own faith given at a moment in time to accomplish something that He wants to accomplish. His will in a certain situation. And it's, it's what Jesus referred to as a, a mustard seed of faith. When he was talking about this fig tree. In Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> so a mustard seed. He was making the point that it didn't have to be a large amount of faith. It, 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 in other words it didn't have a lot to do with the quantity. But more to do with the quality of the faith. It's important to note that Jesus just spoke to the fig tree. He didn't do anything else to it. He just spoke the word of faith in authority. And it died at the roots. It says, have the faith of God. God's faith. This mountain moving faith. And when we have that, it's just like God himself said something. So if we speak in faith, in this kind of pure mustard seed of God's faith that's imparted to us by the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish His will in a given situation. We're just being used as the conduit. It's nothing that we can do apart from Him, and it's nothing that He will do apart from us. So it's important that we be available. It's not about our ability, but our availability and god's ability working through us when we are available so not the quantity but the quality of faith and it's a supernatural impartation usually the gift of faith is used in casting out evil spirits in the bible in matthew chapter 8 verse 16 when Jesus was confronted with evil spirits, he spoke a word of faith and authority, and they had to obey him. I'm just skipping over a lot of scriptures that um, that I have here, because if I, if I get into all of them, it's going to take too much time. Um, the examples... Are important though I think my wife always says just paint me a picture show me a picture it's a lot better than a bunch of words so we want to use examples from the Bible so you can use your mental imagery to kind of put yourself in that situation and remember that Jesus said you can do what what he did so we want you to know and I can prove to you through the scriptures that Jesus didn't have anything working for him and while he was here as a man becoming our kindred um redeemer our kinsman redeemer excuse me uh he became just like us he set aside all of his his um influence and power and abilities when he came and was born as a child and then he received the baptism of the holy spirit when he was baptized at the same time he was immersed in water and baptized by his cousin john the baptist before that there's no evidence that he did any miracles or did anything else he was simply working in all of the wonderful things you saw him do he was working in agreement with god uh, by the power of the holy spirit as god imparted these uh, these gifts of the spirit to him and, and work through him, so there's several examples in the New Testament of people being raised from the dead almost always the gift of faith is is what produces this result of someone being brought back to life um, and there's there 's three cases where Jesus did this in the in the Gospels, and I want to look at those briefly. The first one is in Uh, Luke chapter 7, and uh, let's just read here from the 11th verse, from Luke chapter 7. Um, This is uh, where Jesus raises the the widow's uh, son from the dead. Verse 11. Soon afterward he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Verse 14. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother fear seized them all and they glorified God saying a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people and this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country I always like to go on and mention the effects of the gifts of the spirit as they're laid out here in the Bible because you notice it gets the attention of people It's not something that's supposed to glorify a minister or someone being used of God and of the Holy Spirit to to uh... bring about god's will in any given situation it's to magnify the lord and to glorify god and his son jesus christ and to help people to believe and it's like a dinner bell for them to come and hear the word of god and to receive and and to hopefully repent and be brought into the kingdom of god amen so god is loving and god is good and merciful and he um, he loves to work these gifts for the benefit of individuals, but it's really also for the greater good for others to believe and receive from God. Amen. So it, we see that Jesus he met this funeral procession as he was he and his disciples were coming into this little village of Nain, and as he arrived, the procession. Of, of this widow and her dead son was this funeral procession was coming down the road and they they came in contact with him and Jesus had compassion on this this mother who had lost her only child and he he simply said young man I command you to arise and he stood up he got up and began to speak that was the word of, of authority and faith and that's how this is always going to happen. First of all, faith rises up. We have this impartation of this mustard seed of God's own faith is, is working through us, uh, giving us the power to believe and get rid of all doubt and fear and unbelief. And then we speak it boldly in authority given that authority by Jesus to use his name and in the name of Jesus Christ the word of faith will raise the dead let's look again in Luke chapter 8 just skip over another page and you'll see the second one and this is uh, where he raises Jairus daughter from the dead Luke 8 um verse uh let's see 49 let's see it's a long chapter Luke 8, verse 49, and check this out, Uh, Luke 8, verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead, do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. This is um, the 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 ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, who had come to Jesus and told him that his daughter was sick and uh, on the way back, he got into this um, this other thing with a group of people and this was the where he healed the woman with the issue of blood which we'll talk about at a later time but and once he had done that he was started to head on his way to the uh, ruler of the synagogue's house and they came and said that don't worry she's already dead don't bother the teacher but Jesus wasn't moved by that look at verse 50 but Jesus on hearing this answered him do not fear that's a good word for all of us only believe another good word for us and she will be well see we have a part to play our fear and our unbelief and our doubt can hinder faith so let's don't allow this spiritual tug-of-war to take place in our lives let's just purpose to to keep our faith pure and unhindered by doubt and unbelief and fear Verse 51, and when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him. Wonder why? Except Peter and John and James. If you look at those names, it's interesting. Uh, Peter, John, and James. If you if you look at the literal meaning of those names in that order, Peter, uh, like rock or stone, which is what the Ten Commandments uh, were were chiseled on by the finger of God, John. It means supplanted or replaced, and James is grace. So uh, Peter, James, and John came in with him, and that means that the 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 law of God has been replaced or supplanted by the grace of God. Isn't that interesting? All sorts of little treasures like that in the word to encourage us and build up our faith. So he allowed no one to enter with him. Why? Because of the same thing we were just talking about when he told that religious leader, don't doubt, don't get into fear, and she will live. He didn't want all those unbelievers coming in. He only wanted people who would believe with him. Um, in agreement and so he brought his closest disciples peter john and james and the father and mother of the child of course they're going to believe because they want nothing more than for their little girl to come to life so he had those five with him and that interesting that's the number for grace and all were weeping and mourning for her but he said do not weep for she's not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him knowing that she was dead but, taking her by the hand, let me just ask you first of all. they laughed at him. He got there, and there was a great crowd out there. They, they used to have mourners that would come and they would wail and mourn, and they would even if they didn 't have enough, they would pay others if that 's all they did for a living go around wailing and weeping. Um, had people when they passed away so when you, you come and you, first of all he heard from a distance well too late she already died and then he gets there and you got all these people wailing and weeping he has to leave some of them outside and then he starts uh operating in faith and they laugh at him now how many of us would have even continued on at that point we wouldn't have wanted to be ridiculed we wouldn't have wanted to be slandered and then we would start thinking what if it doesn't work um, and so I'm just saying just something to think about because when we say, well, no, one," I've never been able to raise anyone from the dead. How many times have we actually tried, you know, and I'm not saying anything against anyone because I, you know, I'm not one to walk into a funeral, um, uh, filled with uh, hundreds of people and go up to the casket and command them to come up out of there either but i'm just saying maybe you know that's why we aren't seeing more results than we are uh, in jesus case she sure wouldn't have uh, been raised from the dead if he had stopped right there but taking her by the hand he didn't listen to any of them thank god taking her by the hand he called saying child arise and her spirit returned and she got up at once and he directed that something should be given her to eat and her parents were amazed and so again this is a blessing because not only did he bring about this wonderful event where this young child who was taken by the enemy too soon was allowed to come back Uh, he gave her back to her family and they were so happy but they were amazed and so he got their attention and how many of you know Uh, I, I tend to believe that they believed on him forever after that and they were followers of him and they continued to tell this story of how good God was and that he was the Messiah. The last one, again, the way that that came about was what? The word of faith spoken in authority. Faith has feet and has lips, my wife always says. And so the word of faith spoken in authority the little girls rose up There was no doubt, no fear, no unbelief In Jesus and The next example is Everyone's familiar, most of you probably Familiar with the the uh, Jesus' friend Lazarus Being raised from the dead um, That was in, it's only mentioned In John, so let's go over to John Chapter 11 Some of these things in the Synoptic Gospels Are mentioned uh, several times In Matthew, Mark, and Luke But John, he's kind of a This is kind of on his own, uh, talking about a different part of Jesus' ministry. The others, I'll sort of point out a year in the life of Jesus' ministry. John shows it to be a a three-and-a-half-year ministry. John chapter 11, I believe. Let's take a look here quickly. If I don't find it quickly, I'll just move on and talk about it a little bit. Um, Yeah, John chapter 11. Most of the chapter is about... Um, This um, raising of Lazarus from the dead So we won't go there But let's just look at uh, verses 43 and 44 Um, Let's see So just to give you a little bit of a um, foreground on this, this In case you don't remember Jesus was friends with Lazarus Lazarus was sick Jesus was notified when he was in another town that Lazarus was sick. Jesus didn't get upset. When things went south, he didn't go with them. He didn't fall apart like a $3 suitcase and worry and cry and wail and say, oh, we got to take off and get there right away. He just relaxed, and he took it easy. He needed uh, some rest, and he got it. And by the time he did get to Lazarus' home, uh, he was not only dead but he had been in the tomb for four days so it was a sort of a bad and a sad situation and, and some people were were upset and you know they sort of playing the blame game a little bit and without really coming out and saying as much they really were blaming jesus because they they believed in jesus they believed in his power they believed in his authority They knew that if he had gotten there sooner, he could have done something. But having their brother having been dead for four days, Mary and Martha, uh, they thought it was too late, just like most of us would have. But here in uh, verses uh, 43 and 44, it says... um, uh, he had just prayed to the Father for the, the benefit of those around him, but he already knew that the Lord heard him. And so he, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, or come forth. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth jesus said to them unbind him and let him go he was alive and well after being dead in the tomb for four days jesus cried out with a loud voice lazarus come forth he did this again the gift of faith spoken in authority brought this man back to life and this is uh, a great friend of his and you see they had a uh, a lot of great times together. This is uh, in Bethany where, where where Lazarus lived with his sisters, Martha and Mary. And we have some great stories about them and the word. But he brought his friend back to life. And let's look at one more and then we're done here. Um, Acts chapter 9, somebody besides Jesus, because you're saying, uh, well that's Jesus, and of course he can do anything, but uh, that's not for me, and that was just Jesus working his ministry while he was here, and that was God in the flesh, and of course he can raise somebody from the dead, but nobody else could do that, well, uh, the the word proves different, in Acts chapter 9, look at verses... Acts is the first book of the Bible after the four Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts and Acts chapter nine, verses thirty-six. Yeah, verses thirty-six through forty-two. This is where Peter raises uh, Tabitha, Tabitha, or name translated as Dorcas. He raised her from the dead. So this is not Jesus, this is Peter, after Jesus was already ascended and seated, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So look at Acts chapter 9, uh, starting verse 36. Um, now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity, so she was a, a good Godly woman. In these days, but that's not why she was raised from the dead. Um, In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydia was near Joppa... The disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. So they were reminiscing, talking about Dorcas, the being sad, but talking about all the wonderful things she had done and showing some of the beautiful clothes that she had made. But in verse 40, Peter put them all outside. Again, <laughs> nothing wrong with those women. They were probably very sweet people. They loved Dorcas and they were just doing what people do. They were grieving for her and just reminiscing and talking, telling good stories about her just like we do. At funerals or home goings today, but that's this is not bring about uh, positive results like we're looking for here with the word of faith. So Peter put them all outside because they were in unbelief and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, "Tabitha, arise!" And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows. He presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Listen to that. So that's the point. Again, expanding the kingdom of God. It was a wonderful act, and it was wonderful for Dorcas, and it was wonderful for her family and friends, but even greater than that, it it expanded the kingdom of God and called ...caused others to believe. Peter, he went up, he kneeled, he prayed, and he said, Tabitha, or Tabitha, arise. And the girl set up, and the gift of faith, spoken in authority, brought this girl back to life. You know, just going back to the fig tree that Jesus cursed in the beginning. Jesus told the disciples, and he told us by proxy, that we... Can do the same thing that he did. If we have the right kind of faith. Working in our lives. It's not the quantity, But the quality of faith. We can move mountains. We can move mountains of all sorts. He's not just talking about physical mountains. Like Pikes Peak. Who would want to move that beautiful thing. So he was just saying. The things that come against us in life. That are presented to us as. There's really uh, insurmountable trials and obstacles uh, that we just seemingly in our own power and our own might uh, and our own provision cannot overcome. Well, we probably couldn't if it were limited to that. But with God, all things are possible. Whether they be physical, uh, or financial, or emotional, or relational. Whatever the case, nothing is impossible with God when we use God's faith. I want to read one more thing to you, and then we'll close out today. Back to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I hope that this word is encouraging you today. Um, I'm just going through some scriptures here that are a blessing to me. And uh, again, teaching on these gifts um, of the Spirit as I was taught them some a dozen years ago. And I've never forgotten. And I've always believed that in the end times, the true church will be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit walking in power and victory and to fight this spirit of humanism this spirit of intellectualism that is anti-God that is so prevalent in our country and in our world today trust me the church is not going to be able to look just like the world and accomplish the great things that God has for us to do. We're going to have to assume our true identity in Christ and um, and not uh, neglect any of the things that God has for us. But be willing and available to be used of God by the agency of the Holy Spirit to affect all these beautiful gifts of the Spirit to help people and to have compassion and mercy on God's people and on unbelievers to sort of ring that dinner bell to get their attention so that they can hear and receive of the Word of God. First Peter chapter 5 verses 5 through 11 and I'm closing here First Peter chapter 5 In the middle of the fifth verse, Peter says, clothe yourselves. This is, to clothe yourself requires some, something on your part, doesn't it? You have to take an active part. You have Just like uh, there, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. you heard that before. Well, Peter's saying you have to do something here. You have to clothe yourself, all of you, with humility. So this is not something that... Uh, is easy or natural when we've been trained and taught wrong um, by the world. Everything that goes in our eye and ear gates is something that's influencing us. Whether we think it's a big deal or not, and Paul says that's not true. And, and don't uh, be deceived that bad company corrupts good character. He's not just talking about the people we hang out with, but the things that we set before us. The Bible says, I shall set no vile thing before me. And God is really um, trying to help us when he does that. We should be keep the the truth of God, the word of God. Uh, ever before us. It doesn't mean you have to walk around with the Bible in your hand 24-7, but it means that you need to be putting the true manna, the food of God, uh, you need to be feeding on the Word of God daily and meditating on those truths and applying them. Uh, Someone who's walking in righteousness and holiness is simply someone who's walking in agreement with the word of God as they've been instructed. If it's not, and the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. If you've never put it into your mind and into your heart, how can you be reminded of something that you've never been told or heard or learned before? 1 Peter 5. In the middle of the fifth verse, again, I'll start over. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Stay in touch. Call upon us if you need us. Or even if you just need to share something or you need prayer. Please don't hesitate to reach out. We love you. God bless you. Father, thank you for your precious word. We pray that this word takes root and bears fruit in everyone who hears its heart and in their lives. Help them to receive the help that you want to provide them through your word that they may in turn help others. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power, your empowerment, your love, your prosperity. All your promises, Lord, are yes and amen in Christ, and we receive them. I speak a blessing over everyone who hears this message, no matter where you are. All of the promises in Christ are yes and amen for you. His favor surrounds you as a shield. No plague shall come nigh your dwelling. And look for a harvest of double in times of famine, because you trust in God, and you are... You have made him your shelter in times of need. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.